one. We can go ahead and get started. This is our sixth lesson on the uh, Summer Stewardship Seminar, and today we'll be going over materialism. So uh, let's get started. We're going to start out in Matthew 19 with the uh, story about Jesus and a man who had much wealth. In Matthew 19, verses 16 to 22 state, And behold, a man came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So what we see here is our possessions aren't off limits when it comes to following Christ. And for this man, wealth was the difference between heaven and hell. Do you often think about your wealth this way? When you, follow, when you, when you follow Christ, are you following with everything you have? So we're going to go over that today. And one of the greatest challenges we face in following him is knowing whether our money or our possessions have become an idol to us. We, uh, it can be difficult to discern, and it's often been gradual. We may feel some buyer's remorse for our purchases, but we don't feel any real danger. We have money still in our bank account. Or uh, we, we were brought up this way, and so it still feels normal. But before long, what was once just a want becomes a need. We have to have it. We become more dependent on things or power or status and less and less dependent on God. And so how do we approach this common problem? Well, instead of just throwing your hands up, not doing anything, and allowing ourselves to be passively conformed to the way the world thinks, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind to what God thinks. And so to do that, we'll start by looking at the right way to value material things and then contrast it with the wrong way. We'll then be in a better position to prescribe the remedy and the best approach to fight materialism. So the first thing we're going to do, if you look at, and you can follow along with your handout here, what we're going to do right now is identify materialism. So if we're going to define materialism, what you'll find in a dictionary is a doctrine where the highest values or objectives lie in material well-being and in the furtherance of material progress. So really it's a value system where buying, spending, and accumulating are what is most important in life. We all hear that definition. We say, yeah, of course, materialism is wrong. But if we look at our lives, we like to buy things. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel safe. We, uh, they make us happy, and they bring us a level of comfort or control or maybe even admiration. They can, uh, it can be a very powerful feeling, but what happens is we start to entrust ourselves to these things, and that is a role that's reserved specifically for God alone. And so while our professed theology is dead on, yes, materialism is wrong, our functional theology, the, the way we actually live, is full of holes. Instead of admitting our error, we rationalize what we do. We say it's an investment, it's for my kids, or it keeps me current with everyone else. But uh, also re recognize also that it's not just the person who loves to spend money and buy things that could be materialistic. It can also be the miser who wants to put away every dime he can. Uh, instead of putting trust in the things he buys, he puts his trust and security in how much he can uh, hold away. But in the end, it's exactly the same. We trust the material world for our security and our happiness. Now, money in and of itself is not inherently evil. Uh, but like dynamite, you can, it can be mishandled and do great harm, or it can be used uh, 
for great good. So if we're going to be aware of materialism, we need to first ask, how do we enjoy material things rightly? And so uh, a few things you can do to see if you are enjoying material things rightly is you're willing to easily depart with it. You're not using it sinfully. You are not unnecessarily dependent on it, thankful for it, and there are no regrets with your use of it. So we'll look at 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, and see what the Apostle Paul writes about this subject. He says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. So when Paul wrote these words in Ephesus, there were those false teachers who uh, forbade eating uh, certain foods or marriage, uh, and they taught that a person becomes more spiritual by denying themselves uh, from material things. But Paul didn't just say this was a bad idea. He said it was a demonic idea. Uh, he, and in contrast, he speaks to three things that are going to teach us how to enjoy material things rightly. First, we must have a right understanding of material things according to the Word of God. God created all things good by His Word. This truth is to be, belie to be believed, and this comes through faith, and without faith it is impossible to please God. God's Word shows us how to use things in the right way. If you look at Proverbs uh, chapter 25, verse 16, you'll see that it says, If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it, and vomit it. This... Here in God's Word, it shows us how to enjoy uh, material things without uh, being so gluttonous that we regret eating too much. So both knowing the truth of material things and using them according to God's Word will help us to enjoy them rightly. Second, we should receive it with thanksgiving. If we are thankful for something, we recognize that it is a gift. We are not entitled to it. And when, you, when you're thankful, you see your role not as owner but as a steward. And there's no room for pride. There's no boasting in your possessions when you see that things are gifts, not entitlements. It's like a guy showing up to his high school reunion in a rental car, a flashy rental car that he can't afford. He acts like it's his, but it's not. And that's the same way we are when we're materialistic. We act like it's ours, but really it's not. So, uh, and third, Thanksgiving should lead us to prayer. Through prayer, we acknowledge God's kindness to us in giving us material things and our dependence on him for them. So prayer also helps to humble us as we look to God to enjoy things correctly and not use it for our selfish ends. And so through prayer, we also set our hearts on the will of the Creator for His creation on how we're supposed to use it. So the three things we just talked about and how to know we're using things or ways to use material things rightly would be to believe that what God says about them is true, be thankful for them, and pray in our use of them. Now, these things emphasize how to use God's gifts rightly, but God also tells us to do one more thing. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, uh, it says, Set our hopes on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy his creation, but how do we do that? By setting our hopes on God. Your wealth and possessions will always be unreliable. Houses flood, uh, stock markets crash, uh, paintings fade. We'll always be disappointed if you make material things the point of your joy. But if we hope in God, he never fails. He never changes. He is always faithful. So why do we run after possessions 
and things when we have a person. And so, and especially the one who created all those possessions. And so only through God will we be finally free to enjoy those things in the way that he intended. But in a fallen world, we, also, we often get this backwards. And so we trust in God, not, we, we trust not in God, but in his gifts. So this will bring us to our second topic of how we idolize material things. Materialism is essentially placing the wrong value on money and possessions. You know, vibrant colors, delicious foods, nice cars, nice music, things that feel good to us. They're wonderful gifts from God to be enjoyed, but they're intended to point us to God, to worship him. And so I bet in the beginning that's probably the way it was, that Adam and Eve would see a beautiful sunset or a, uh, they'd, they'd smell a really nice flower. And they knew they would be moved to praise God for that. They knew that it was not uh, an end in itself, that material pleasure. And so, but sin entered the picture, and instead of treasuring God, we rejected him. And as a result, the gift was more valued than the giver. We soon bowed down to nice uh, vacations or TV shows or jobs that give us power and status. And uh, this has become, for us, idolatry. We idolize money and possessions when we trust them rather than God for, uh, or when our love for them rivals our love for God. So imagine having a conversation with a friend and they tell you how demanding their job is. It crowds out my schedule. I don't have time for my family. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to read God's word. In fact, I really haven't been in God's word um, much at all lately. How do you respond? There are no doubt seasons of life where maybe working that hard is probably okay. Working hard at your job is a way to honor God. But at the same time, this could be sin. It could be idolatry hiding behind the socially acceptable excuse of being a perfectionist. And uh, it can be difficult to know when we're idolizing things. So what we'll do is we're going to look at five self-assessment questions that could help us uh, to see if we are becoming idolatrous. That coffee's way too hot to drink right now. I can feel it. All right, so question one. Does owning or desiring X distract you from what God has called you to do? So working for promotion at work is not a sin in itself. It could be a way to honor God. It could be a way to better financially provide for your family or be generous to other people. But if you're obsessing on how to get promotion to the point where you're neglecting your wife and kids, if you are uh, being treating your neighbor wrong to get, a, get ahead or sinning in some way to get ahead, you're idolizing your job. So better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. That's Proverbs 28.6. Let's go question two. What do you delight in? Are you more excited about things than you are about God? So all created things are designed to point us to God, to funnel our affections to well up in us worship towards our hint to him, our creator. So it's okay to get excited about a big meal or a, a big game. The Euros are this week. Today I think the finals are. And so it's okay to get excited about that. But when they become a dead end for uh, your affections, that's, it's become idolatrous rather than being a conduit for us to worship God through them. So, but if you look at the psalmist in Psalm 73, you'll see that uh, he writes... Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
that should be our goal to strive to, to be able to say that truly. And so number three, how do you react when something is taken away? If you get angry about something being taken away from you, that could be a way that your heart is exposed. You could see that your reaction often highlights an idol that you may have built your life around. See, uh, you've probably grown accustomed to having that possession over a long period of time, and you really have begun to depend on it. The rich young man went away sad in Matthew 19 because he had a lot of things and he did not want to let him go. He did not want to depart. So what are some things that you may get angry about? And it could be something so simple as having that cup of coffee in the morning that you feel like you have to have to get your day started. It could be that TV show at night before you go to bed, you have to have it. Uh, or a routine that you think you have to have to be successful. Uh, if, if you are upset about losing those things, that's, you probably need to check your heart and see why and what, what is going on to make you feel that you have to find your security in the material things rather than in God's providence for you. And number four, how do you feel toward others who have more than you? We may covet what others have and think if I had what they have, I'd be okay. Or you may self-righteously look down on them and say, man, I'm glad I don't spend money like them. I'm not wasting my money. Well, comparing ourselves to others instead of finding our sufficiency in Christ invites discontentment into our hearts. Jesus said in Luke 12, 14 through 15, take care and be on guard, be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We really have to guard against that in our consumer-driven culture. Uh, there's an AT&T commercial that shows five people in a car, and they all receive the same funny message on their phones, but the guy with the fastest download speed, or one who paid the most or whatever, was done laughing before the others even began to view it. This scene is followed with a voice saying, don't be left behind. <laughs> so uh, quest look at yourself and say, are we content with what God's given us, or are we always dissatisfied because we don't have what our friends have? And finally, number five, how do you react when you feel insecure? Uh, acquiring material things could be a right response to fear. If your neighborhood has a lot of break-ins, it might be responsible and good for you to invest in iron bars for your windows. You're protecting your family, so you're doing what you're supposed to do, and it's responsible. But they can also be false saviors as well. Uh, we need to recognize that it's not just greed that drives materialism, but fear also. So if you fear other people's opinions of you, uh, you might be driven to acquire uh, clothes or a car or nice furniture that you might not otherwise buy and you most definitely probably don't need. So fear of the future might also drive you to savings that you might not otherwise need, which would withhold you from being generous to others. So not only greed, but fear drives it as well. Proverbs 18, 10 through 11 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. While the Lord, in this proverb, is a strong tower, the rich only imagine their wealth will keep them safe. But remember that wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And so now as we've gone through those five questions, what we're going to do now is we're going to look at eight ways that we can fight materialism in our lives. And these are very functional ways uh, in the moment, nitty-gritty. So let's get started. Number one, treasure the excellence and beauty of God. I think this is the most effective way. When you have something more, more desirable, something greater that you can look to 
over possessions, it's really going to break that bond that they, that, that they seem to have on you. So Jesus reminds us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. We often think about that just as money, but it's also a truth about God. If we treasure him, our heart will follow. And so work to treasure him. The God of the Bible is worthy of all of our praise, all of our affection, all of our honor, and we commit idolatry when, they, when we give that to something else, especially a thing. Uh, and it's only when we take our eyes off of God that we find something else to worship. We are idol factories. We make them. We, I see that in myself all the time. If I, don't, if I get rid of something that I think is a, that I'm doing too often, and I don't replace it with intentional time with God, I'm going to fill it with something just as worthless. I'm going to find something to put in there. So uh, we, we really do just, we're, we're, we're made to worship something, and we're going to. So make sure that that thing that you're worshiping and honoring is God. Uh, and it's only when we grow in our love for God that he's cherished more than anything we have. So if we're to loosen the grip on materialism, it starts here. So what are some ways that you can work to treasure God in your own life? So number one, you can look at a scripture reading and meditation. Two, evangelizing. When you start talking about God to someone, especially a non-believer, some things that may have settled on the floor, when that wave comes and you're talking about it, they might get worked up and you might get excited again and start, you remember things about God when you start talking to others about him. Uh, three, read a good book on who God is, such as knowing God or the holiness of God or the pleasures of God. Uh, four, listen to good theological music that talks about who God is. Uh, this this uh, example it gave was Shia Lin's album, The Attributes of God. If y'all like rap, I like Shia Lin. He's pretty good. And then uh, five, recalling God's faithfulness to us in providing, caring, and growing us. And number six, which is probably your most in-the-moment method, would be pray. Pray to God. Okay, the next one, remind yourself of the danger of materialism. Paul says, in 1 Timothy 6, 9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Greed is idolatry. So materialism isn't just choosing a different path, it's choosing a different God. It's, it isn't some harmful, it is a harmful path that will lead us away from the one true God when we set our hope and our security on things. You've got to see the emptiness and weakness in materialism. Uh, it's a quote says, a man may have enough of the world in his heart to sink him, but he can never have enough to satisfy him. So be, beware of the deceitfulness of wealth. Uh, next, we can look at confess materialism as sin. As we remind ourselves of the dangers of materialism, we must also confess our sinful love of money and possessions. We often think of materialism really as a behavior to avoid rather than a sin that deserves damnation. Uh, I probably didn't need such a nice watch, but I just got carried away. Sounds really trivial, but if materialism is in fact idolatry, then it's what much of the Old Testament prophetic literature is aimed at. Uh, this is what Babylon was judged for. He, or Habakkuk 1.16, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury. And this food is rich. So when you confess materialism, 
try and confess its root cause in your heart, not just what happens afterward. Ask yourself why you're spending money on this or that. Is it that you're turning to these things out of fear or greed or to be happy, or is it something else? So uh, Lamentations 3.40 says, Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Uh, The next one, fight for faith to rest in God. So what does it mean for you to tangibly trust in God rather than your money and possessions? If you're fearful, it means not worrying about things. Hebrews 13.5 is a sweet verse. It says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're greedy, it means focusing less on building your own wealth and more on loving God with your time and possessions. This may also involve getting rid of things that could tempt you to idolatry. So repentance is a necessary part of fighting for faith in God. This next one, uh, think about heaven, is an extremely effective way. Because when you keep eternity in perspective, like really keep et- like forever in your mind, you really see how foolish materialism is. Like everything that we could, that we could find pleasure in apart from God, this side of eternity is going to go away. So we'll have to account one day for all that God's given us. Do you want to be like the guy uh, in the parable in Luke 12 who built bigger barns for himself instead of being rich toward God? Or do you want the rewards that are given to those who faithfully fought against materialism by God's grace? And so Jesus says in Revelation 22:12, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. This is the reward that the uh, faithful saints in Hebrews 10 were commended for. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession uh, and an abiding one. Uh, The missionary Jim Elliott said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. This next one, uh, give generously. So how do we store up treasures in heaven? In 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, Paul states, As for the rich in this present age, charge them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So we're to do good works. We're to be generous and share what we have. When we give, we fight against materialism by using the money that's the way that it's supposed to be, benefiting others and bringing glory to God. You see, God created us to love people and use things, but we have turned that around. Now, as materialists, as materialists, we love things and we use people. So, giving is the opposite of greed. Think about it. If you want to grow in your faith and want a tangible way to do that, give generously. So, signing that check is like signing your own little declaration of independence over that dollar. Uh, Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Uh, no, uh, next one would be create a budget. So we talked about this in the class in sp- on spending. Having a budget is not only a great way to know where our money is going, but it's also a great tool to help us be strategic and prayerful about our finances. Proverbs 23, or 27, 23 to 24 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds for riches do not last forever. So having a budget can squash that fear from not in, you, when you don't know the condition of your finances or your flocks. Uh, it can also help us to spend in a way that's more measured, thoughtful, and disciplined. And finally, talk with others about it. As with every other aspect 
of our discipleship. Uh, we, uh, we need each other. And if you've been going through this seminar, I hope you've already found someone that you could talk to about these things, uh, whether it be your finances or the way you spend your time or the way you use your possessions. So uh, first thing to do, take time to do an honest self-assessment. Use the questions listed in your on this handout here and answer them honestly, truthfully. Then think about where your money goes, your spending, your giving, your saving habits. If you're married, you can do this with your spouse. Materialism isn't fundamentally about our things, but about our hearts. Not the stuff around us, but the stuff within us. And second, share your self-assessment with a Christian friend and allow them to ask accountability questions. You should sit down with a friend who you trust and reveal to them your heart. Then cover a list of questions you want the other person to ask. Embarrassing questions that could be like, what purchase decisions do you most regret? Where are your weaknesses in spending money? How much debt do you have? What is your current plan to get rid of it? How much money do you have in savings? Investments, what is the purpose of that money? How much do you give? How much could you give? Uh, then invite their feedback on how you can be more faithful in honoring God. Be willing to hear what they have to say. Don't close your ears when you may be told that you might need to change something. And examine it against scripture. Pray about it. Remember that our hearts are deceptive and it's the fool who doesn't want correction, but the wise accepts it. Proverbs 12:1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he, he who hates correction is stupid. Make a plan and act on it. This might be creating a budget for the first time to order your financial properties, proper priorities or to tweak the budget you've already done. And so, in conclusion, as we fight materialism and learn to enjoy things the way God intended, we'll see our heart value material things differently. We'll view money, money as a tool to do good rather than a thing to hoard. We'll see ourselves more as stewards who will give an account to Jesus rather than owners who call the shots. We'll hold our possessions loosely with an open, generous hand rather than with a tightly clenched fist. And we'll experience joy by trusting in God rather than sadness by trusting in, your, in our wealth. So is this what you're experiencing? If, if not, what needs to change? Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this time, for this seminar that we have uh, to grow as a church and learning how to use our time, our money, and our possessions. Father, maybe we, may, may we be more faithful and maybe glorify you, Lord, with what you've given us. We ask that you be with Jared this morning as he brings a message on Psalm 51. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.